0: Good morning river church we are so excited that you guys decided to join us this morning we hope that you guys are ready to worship with us and get all that god has for you this morning we encourage you to um, comment your prayer requests comment your needs um, during this worship time so that we can pray for you um, in our prayer time after worship so we just invite you to join into worship with us now
1: will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Amen. He is here this
2: morning. Thank you, Jesus. You The darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, you are way make miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is, who you are. Oh, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are.
0: here, you're working, you're here, you're moving. You don't have to be in the church to feel his presence. You don't have to physically be here with us to feel him moving, to feel him working, to feel him healing your life. He's there in your living room. He's there in your kitchen. He's there in your bedroom, wherever you are. If you're at work right now and listening, he's with you. You don't have to be in the church. You are the church. His presence is all around you. His presence is is filling your life and all you have to do is surrender open yourself up to him to feel him working in your life and sometimes we don't feel him working but that doesn't mean that he's not there he's still there you don't have to be in church to feel him he's still with you
3: even when I don't see it you're working
2: Oh. Mm-hmm.
4: My salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. We will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hallelujah.
1: love you Lord for your mercy never fails me and all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the good of God. Of the goodness of God, oh, I will sing of the good.
4: for the needs that you have sent in we're going to pray for the needs of the church the needs of the people but before we do that I don't think we're done with that song yet I I want to sing that again I want to sing at least that chorus again about the goodness of God that all my life he's been faithful even when I don't see him working as the previous song said we know he's working so let's spend just a little bit more time let's sing that chorus again can we please
1: All my life you have been faithful, yes you have Lord, and all my life you have been so, you've been so good, with every breath that I am able, oh I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God Can you feel His goodness in your room today? Sing it Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me With my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything It's running after It's running after me And all my life You have been faithful You're so faithful, Lord All my life You have been so So good With every breath That I am able Oh, I'm gonna sing Of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing.
2: Of the goodness of God.
4: Hallelujah. Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord. Lord, we come to you and we thank you first and foremost for your goodness. Lord, for your presence that we feel with us. Lord, we know that you are with us. We know that you have promised you will never leave us nor forsake us. We know that you are here with us. Lord, I pray for the needs that have been coming in. Lord, I pray for John this morning. God, I pray that you would touch him. God, I pray that you would give him a healing in his body. Lord, right there in his hospital bed. God, right now that you would touch him. God, I pray, Lord, we speak life, and we speak healing, and we speak peace, and we speak hope, and we speak joy over him in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak health, and we speak life and healing in Jesus' name over John. Touch him right now. Lord, I pray for Ralph this morning. Lord, Lord, as he's had surgery, God, Lord, I pray that you would touch him. God, you would cause the feeling to come back in his legs. God, I pray for a healing this morning for Ralph. God, I pray, Lord, right now we speak life and healing into Ralph this morning. Lord, touch him, continue the work that you have begun in his body. Lord, complete the work that you have begun. Lord, I pray for Joey this morning, God, that you would touch her. God, that you would give her health. God, that you would bring her healing. God, that you would give her peace. God, that she would experience your joy and your peace. Lord, I pray for Presley's mom this morning. Lord, I pray that you would touch her. God, I pray for Presley. God, that you would touch her. God, you would lift her up. God, that you would let her feel your arms wrapped around her. God, that she would feel your love and your and your hope, and your joy, and Lord, and let her see herself, Lord, the way that you see her. Bless her this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for Robert this morning. God, I pray that you would give him encouragement, that you would lift him up, that you would touch him, you would encourage him. God, that you would give him hope, that you would give him peace. Lord, I pray right now for the, for the Kepler family, Lord, as they've experienced this loss. God, I pray that your hand would be upon them, that your healing hand would go to them. Lord, I pray for uh, Maho and Mia and Maria. Lord, I pray that you would touch them. God, that you would be with them. God, that you would protect them. Lord, that you would be with them. Touch them, Lord, and lift them up. I pray for Terry this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give her strength, that you would lift her up. Lord, I pray for Pat this morning, God. I pray that you would bless him. God, encourage him. God, I pray for his situation, God. Lord, that you would meet every need. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the people who are sick. Lord, I pray for those who are sick in body. I pray for those who have been infected. Lord, with this virus, God, I pray for healing. I pray for those missionaries, Lord, that that the AG missionaries and all the missionaries, Lord, who are struggling and fighting for their life. God, I pray for healing for them. Lord, I pray that you would touch them and lift them up. Lord, I pray for those who are out of work in our community. Lord, I pray that you would lift them up. God, I pray for those who still are working, that your hand will be upon them, protecting them. Lord, I pray for... For all the leaders who are making the decisions, God, I pray for wisdom and knowledge. I pray for the healthcare workers, God, I pray for protection. God, I pray for your people. I pray for this church. I pray for those who are watching right now, God, that they would be drawn into a relationship with you. God, that they would be drawn and they would be moved and they would be touched. They would be drawn into Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts today. God, you would speak to minds. If there are people today who are watching who are discouraged, God, I pray you would lift them up. If there are people who are hopeless this morning, God, I pray that in you they would find hope. If there are people who are hurt, God, I pray in you they would find healing. But if there are people who are far from you and who are far from home, God, I pray that today that they would come home and they would come back to you. I thank you for it. Lord, bless these next few moments as we look into your word and as we worship you. God, I pray that you would bless our time together. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. the Lord is good. Amen. It was powerful worship this morning. Thank you to the worship team, the worship band. I hope you at home could feel what we could feel in here. I trust through the power of the Holy Spirit that you could. God is good. I can't wait till we can get back together. I am so, look, so looking forward to that day. I can't wait till we can talk about uh, what we've been doing. Um, like I mentioned every week, we're, we're not still getting together, but trust me, the church is still being the church. Uh, the church has, has, has been doing things in the community. We're working on a project right now. I can't wait to show you pictures and to talk to you more about it. Um, and I want to thank you uh, to everyone who has been faithful. Um, in your giving, even though we're not together. And, and so right now, if you, if you haven't had the opportunity and you want to give, you can give um, through our website. Um, a lot of people have been using that. You can also give our text to give. Some people uh, think that's a little finicky, and it is sometimes, uh, but that's a, those are two ways that you can give. Um, and I, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to those who support the work that we are doing here at the River Church. Um, Thank you for your generosity and for your being part of what God is doing here at the church. I don't know, I don't like it. At this time, um, I believe that Pastor Walker has a word from the Lord for us. So, uh, Pastor Walker, if you'll come at this time. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> oh, man. All
5: right. How are we doing? Well, I hope you're doing good. I hope, I hope at home that you said good. Sometimes I feel like, uh, this is maybe for the younger audience out there, but sometimes I feel like this is um, like Dora the Explorer. My, my 90s friends will, will know what that's all about, but when you're watching Dora, she asks these rhetorical questions that you're just yelling at the TV screen, uh, but she can't hear you. And I hope, I hope at home that you're just shouting all these amens and hallelujahs, but we can't hear you. But... But soon, soon we will be able to hear you. Soon we'll be get, to get back together. That's our hope. That's our prayer. I know that God will be faithful to bring it about. Amen. Amen. Well, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. Christ is risen. This is uh, not... Easter is not something that we just celebrate for one Sunday, okay? Uh, maybe in your church experience, that is how you have always perceived it. But I want to tell you, you're wrong. Your, your, your experience has been wrong. Easter is a 50-day season. We celebrate Easter for 50 days. We don't just, the resurrection is not just something that we hit up like a drive through and we go in, we get it, and we get out. The resurrection is a, is a life-altering, life-changing reality. And we're going to celebrate that for 50 days. Days and so we are in this, the, the what they call Easter tide. It's it's after Easter and we're so we're celebrating the resurrection again this week. And so uh, I want to look into a passage of scripture after Jesus is resurrected. We're going to be in Luke chapter twenty four. But before we get in there, I want to I want to talk a little bit about a little intro to my message today. Uh, my message this morning is entitled "Jesus Will Meet You." Jesus will meet you. Uh, the intro uh, for that, basically, how, how I want to set this up is, is is like this. You know, when we think of God. You know, God is is, is real mysterious. You know, it, it it's kind of hard to to put God into a box. When you think about God, you're thinking about like the creator of the whole universe, and so it, it's kind of hard to think. I mean, when we talk about God, we're we're fringing on on uh, you know, it, it's it's loose soil because. It's God. It's the creator of the universe. God is mysterious. God is untamed. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that that the the wind goes wherever it pleases. It comes and it goes, and no one wears where it comes or where it's going. And so it is with the Spirit of God. God is untamed. God is wild, you could say. God is mysterious. Yet I find that the more I journey in faith... I know that God is mysterious and God is a mystery in and of himself. But when I enter into that mystery, I know for a fact there are certain places where I can find God. I know there are certain places where I can find God. I'm going to name a couple of them that aren't in my message this morning, but just um, because I'll name them. You will always find God amongst the poor. You will always find God, um, I believe, in the church. Um, no matter what some spam accounts might be putting on our, on our posts, if you see those, please ignore them. We have some people that like to post on our accounts saying uh, things that are unbiblical. God is found in the church. When you come into the place of worship, God is here with us. I believe God is found amongst his people. I believe God is found uh, in the family. God is found in, in loving relationships with one another. God is found in those places. And so for all the mysteriousness of God... We know we can find him in some places. We know that when we go to those places, we can find him. And that's why this morning's message is entitled, Jesus Will Meet You. Because sometimes you ask the question, God, where are you? I'm sure you've asked that during this uh, crisis, during this pandemic. God, where are you? Why is this happening? God, where are you? And this was the very question that many of the disciples were asking After Christ was crucified. You see, Jesus was, we, we understand Jesus on this side of Easter after the resurrection. But you've got to put yourself, put on your imagination, your, your thinking caps, as uh, you know, elementary school teachers might say, and just put yourself in the shoes of the disciples for a minute. This was their best friend, their leader. They thought that he was the Messiah, the one that would deliver them from Roman oppression. They thought he was the one that would deliver them from all their fears and all their anxieties and all their worries. And they saw him brutally tortured and killed and hung upon a wooden cross. They saw him agonizing in pain, mocked upon, spit upon. All of their dreams and hopes and all the investment and the three years of energy and time they had put into this one man, shattered, broken. Their best friend left for dead. And they had to be asking themselves, God, where are you? God, where are you in this moment? God, we trusted you. God... We thought he was the guy. We thought that he was the one. And that's where we find ourselves starting in the story in Luke chapter um, 24. Christ is resurrected, but these disciples in this story starting at verse 13, they do not know that he's resurrected yet. And they decide to go for a walk outside of Jerusalem to the city of Emmaus. And they are in despair. They're in a depression of sorts. Discouragement. And Jesus meets them there. Let's let's dive into it. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began uh, walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did mighty miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This happened three days ago. Then some woman from our group of the followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, Stay the night with us, since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Amen. Amen. This scripture is very fascinating to me because as I've already said, what you have here is you have these disciples who are walking, journeying. I, I tweeted this out this week, but it's almost, for, for those of you out here who enjoy um, uh, a little bit of rock and roll, it, it reminds me of the song Boulevard of Broken Dreams by Green Day. Uh, I walk a, a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. These disciples are walking a lonely road um, because from what we get from the story, they probably lived in Emmaus. They had traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover, and in and, and the process, had, uh, converted themselves to disciples of Christ. We don't know that much, but we can infer into the story. And they are walking this lonely journey back. God, where are you? God, what has happened here? God, we thought there was so much hope. We thought there was so much joy that was about to come our way. And maybe you've been in that spot. I don't want to say maybe. You probably have been in that spot where there was... In your expectation, there was so much joy and happiness and hope coming your way. There was, there was memories to be made and there was a life to be lived. There was a, a child to be had or a, a marriage to be lived out. There was a, a, a friend to experience life with. And it came to a crashing halt. It came to a, to a, a quick end. And we don't know why, and it's in those moments that we say, God, where are you? It's in those moments that we ask God these painful questions. It's in our place of pain that we cry out to God, God, where are you? Why have you allowed this thing to happen? But what this story teaches us is that God Is present. I told you that there are certain places where we can always find God. There are certain places where Jesus will meet you. And the first place I want to talk about in this story that he will meet you is in your pain. God will meet you in your brokenness. The scripture teaches us in in Psalm chapter 34, uh, verse 18, that God is near to the brokenhearted. That, that Those who are broken hearted, those of you that have had heartbreak, those of you that have had pain, God is near to you. Our culture, Western civilization, has created a God that is far off with some white beard on a throne and, and that He doesn't care and he, he couldn't care less. But that's not the God of Scripture and that's not the God that is revealed in Christ. The God revealed in Christ is one that is very near and dear and close in your pain and your brokenness. God is there speaking healing and life into your life, into your situation, and in the situation of these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. These disciples are uh, wallowing in their despair of the crucified Christ. They they turn to Jesus. And sometimes I, I love this part because Jesus is asking questions, I believe, intentionally because he wants to hear their testimony about what has happened. But sometimes we give a response like the disciples give to them. He says, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened here in the last few days. In other words, are you oblivious? Are you oblivious to the hurts? Are you oblivious to the pain? Are you oblivious to the terror and the torture that had just happened? And sometimes we we can look at God. Listen, let me tell you something. God God, God is big. God is bigger than your doubts and your questions and your fears, okay? And so you can approach him. You can come to him with these kinds of questions. And sometimes i just got to ask God, God, are you oblivious to all this pain going on around? God, are you oblivious to the pandemic going around? God, are you oblivious to the situations of pain and sorrow going on in the world? God, are you, are you the only one who hasn't heard about these things in the past few days? This is the kind of question they ask him. Jesus says what things? (laughs) I love Jesus' response always. Notice how Jesus always responds a question with another question that seems to be God's MO. And so they tell him about these things. And it's in the moment that they are, are, are sorrowing over the crucified Christ that the risen one is there in their midst and they do not recognize it. It's in their pain, it's in their situation that the risen Christ comes to meet them. And I want to, I want to preach to you this morning, River Church, that in your pain, in your despair, maybe this pandemic has shook you and your family in a way that you did not think possible. Maybe you're sitting at your home and you find yourself in a state of depression. Maybe you have a, you just want to get outside, you just want to go somewhere, but you can't. Maybe you feel lonely, maybe you feel depressed, maybe you feel like the situation you're in is one of doubt, depression, or discouragement. I want to tell you that Christ is risen, and He is risen indeed. He is no longer in the tomb, but He is alive forevermore. We're not talking about a God that is dead, but one who is very alive, alive forevermore, and He will speak into your situation, into your life, and where He will meet you, Jesus will meet you, it's in your pain. It's in in those times where where you don't know where to turn that Jesus will meet you. God is present with you in the divorce, in the miscarriage, in the loved one gone too soon, in the child you lost, the failures and mistakes that you never will forgive yourself for, the letdowns, the abuses, the worry The times you can't sleep at night. The financial situations. The burdens that you don't know how you will carry. Christ is with you. And Christ is for you. Romans teaches us that if God is for us, then who can be against us? Christ is for you this morning. Christ is risen and he will speak in to your pain. If you open up to him. These disciples here, they open up to Christ. They become vulnerable to Him. They have a conversation about what has hurt them. Oftentimes, we want God to heal us, and we want God to speak into our pain. But God cannot heal you if the only you that you present to Him is a fake you. If if we were all here, I would just say, come on, somebody, because that's real talk. That's real talk. God cannot bless, and God cannot heal The you that's on the inside, if you will not become vulnerable and expound that you, that real you, the inside you, the one that you never let anyone see, if you don't let God have that, if you don't let God see that, then how can He heal it? How can He speak into it? How can He, how can He, uh, how can He bless it and heal you if you don't become vulnerable to Him? These disciples become vulnerable to Christ. And it's in their vulnerability that He speaks to them. He speaks to them. And we're going to get to this a little bit later, but at the end, they say, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talk to him? You see, the places that we are hurt and the places that we have pain, we're burned, right? We're burned in a, a particular way. God takes the things that have burned us and he flips that burn. And it's a different kind of burn. It's the burn of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's, it's that fire of the Holy Ghost that we're going we're gonna to be talking about in, in, in 40 days. It's a different kind of fire. God can take those things that have hurt you and replace it with His Spirit. Replace it with a, with a new day, a, a new beginning, a new creation. We have to become vulnerable and, and expose ourselves to God. And when we do that, God doesn't disobey our trust. I'm I, I, I spending a lot on this point, but it's very, very... Important for you to understand. Maybe you have become vulnerable to someone in your life, and they have destroyed your trust. Maybe you have opened yourself up to someone only to have your heart broken. Maybe you have laid yourself bare before someone just to have them leave you. Well, let me tell you something. God is not like that. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And when you become vulnerable before God, he will never break your heart. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come ever present in our times of trouble, near to the brokenhearted, a father to the fatherless, a help to those who have none, hope where there is none. Let God speak into your life this morning. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would open up And allow God to speak into the pain and transform it for his glory and for your good. Because you weren't meant to carry it. You weren't meant to carry the pain and the sorrow. And now there were these disciples. These disciples um, were were meant, God had a plan for their life. But there's a reason Jesus appeared to them. Because he wanted them to go back. He wanted them to go back to Jerusalem and to begin the work that he had for them. Oftentimes we can't do what God has called us to do if we're still carrying on to the things that have hurt us and broken us. We have to let God heal us, to heal us from the inside out. They didn't know resurrection yet. And so that's why. I mean, they would not be despairing if they knew that Christ was resurrected. Had They didn't know resurrection yet. And some of you don't either. Some of you in your places. A lot of times, I think it's very... The the, the paradox of Easter is interesting, right? Because we know Christ is resurrected. And that is great hope. That is amazing. Resurrection is great truth and great hope for every blade of grass, for every part of creation, for every human, for every single one that has lived. Resurrection is great hope. We have a great hope. Yet in the middle of that hope, we, we are resurrection people living in a world of Good Friday and Holy Saturday. We're resurrection people that still live in a world of death and torture, of chaos and suffering, of silence, and, and hanging in the balance of, God, where are you? That's where we live, and that's where these disciples live. They hadn't experienced resurrection yet, and neither have we. But we know that there is a day that is coming where every tear will be wiped away, where God himself will come and will be king of his people, where God will come and he will wipe away every tear, every sorrow, every ounce of pain. And in that day, we will experience full resurrection. We will experience the fullness of life as God intended it. We will experience the fullness of his creation. And that coming day is a day where all pain and all sorrow will be wiped away. These disciples are confronted with the resurrected Christ. Their hearts burn, not out of pain, but out of love. A love they've never known. A love that is there and available to them. And in your pain and your sorrow, God's love is reaching out to you this morning. Open yourself up. Open yourself up to him and his love and let him heal you. Let him heal you of your shame, of your guilt, of your sin, of of your addictions, of your shortcomings, of your abuses, of all the things that have happened to you. Let him heal you this morning. Let him heal you for his glory and our good. Amen. Amen. The second place this morning that Christ will meet you. Uh, that, was, that was some heavy stuff that I just, I just preached. It was some heavy stuff, but it's also hopeful. It's hopeful. We have resurrection power. So, uh, I wanna, I wanna, but I want to steer it a little bit. Um, away from the heavy stuff and more into into um, some some ap- some applicable things the second place that Christ will meet you according to Christ himself is in the scriptures Jesus says there in the middle you foolish people verse twenty five you find it so hard to believe that all the what all the prophets wrote in the scriptures wasn't it clearly wrote in the Uh, or clearly predicted, excuse me, that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures concerning himself. The second place that we will find Christ is when we look into the scriptures. And I can say that with clear certainty because Jesus teaches us in John chapter 5, starting with verse 39. He's talking to the Pharisees here and he says this, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Jesus says, you, you in, in layman's terms, you read your Bible because you think your Bible will give you eternal life, but actually the purpose of the scripture is to point to Jesus. The, the point of the living word is to uh, uh, sorry, of the written word is to point to the living word. John teaches us that Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The job of the written Word is to point us to the living Word. And so when we read the Scripture, we we pour into the Scripture. I said this is applicable because this is something that you should be doing. And with quarantine, you've got a lot of time to do this. When we look into the scripture, the scripture is, is a signpost. It's, it's a sign on the right side of the road. You know, you're driving down the highway and you think, man, are we there yet? You come up to the sign, it says, you know, Kansas City, 35 miles or whatever, right? It's pointing you, keep going in this direction and you will reach your destination. The scriptures are a signpost, they are a sign that are pointing us to Jesus, is pointing us to Christ. Christ is is saying that all of these scriptures in the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, all of the scriptures that, that they were revealed to the people of God to point us to the coming Savior, to point us to the Messiah. Gee, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall during this conversation. Jesus expounds upon the scriptures. You know, uh, we, we get up here and we try our best to preach a sermon, but that's nothing compared to what Jesus does here. He, he shows them in the Old Testament how they are written about him. They show, or he shows them in the Old Testament how his coming was foretold. You know, Jesus didn't just pop out of the sky someday. This was God's plan. This was God's intention for Christ to come and to fulfill Old Testament prophecy in their day. There is a lot of Old Testament prophecies that come to fulfillment in Christ. And this is actually part of the, when you read your New Testament, you will see this in the book of Matthew. Matthew will say things like, all this came to pass to fulfill Old Testament scripture here, right? And, the day of Pentecost, whenever the, the uh, sorry early church father, Peter, gives his sermon, he quotes the prophet David in, 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 in a, a passage that David wrote that was prophesying the coming of Christ. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. All of the scripture, the Old Testament, you know, some people come to me and say, Walker, what, what about the Old Testament? And I say, what about it? It is a signpost. It is a a book that is leading us to our Savior, showing us our sin, showing us our shortcomings and our failures through these journeys of people, but then also prophesying that there one day would come one that would deal with evil once and for all, that would deal with sin once and for all. And that one coming, Jesus says, I am him. I am the Messiah. I'm the one who's come. I'm the one who's come to get rid of sin and evil. So where can we find Christ? In the scriptures. We can find him when we read the Bible. We read the Bible through the lens of Christ. We are looking actively in the pages saying, how does this lead me to Christ? Because I want to I make this very clear. There are many atheists who read the Bible. Richard Dawkins knows this book front to back, but that doesn't mean that he's saved. It doesn't mean he knows Christ. Okay? We have to have a, a focal point. We have to have a direction. We have to have a compass or a guide, you might say, on how we are to read Scripture because many people have read this book and got it wrong. But what this book should do is lead you to the Savior. It should lead you to Christ. When we read the Word, we're looking to say, okay, Jesus, show me... What I should find in this reading. Show me how I can know you in a deeper way. Jesus, show me, because he says it very clearly here. The scriptures were written about him. So I need you to show me, Christ. I need you to show me. And Jesus said this I love, I love this promise in scripture in John chapter 14. Jesus said, it's better I go away, because when I go away, I will spend, send you the Comforter, the Spirit of truth, and he will guide you into all truth. He's going to guide us into all truth. That's a beautiful thing. So when you're reading the Word, ask God to give you the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth so you can see Jesus in everything. I lo- last thing i to say on this point is this is that in the, in the book of John, we have the beginning, uh, John is a character, John the Baptist, I should say. John the Baptist is a, a, a character that came before Jesus as kind of um, the, you know, you might think of like a, 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 a parade, right? And every good parade, there's like the people that come before the, actually, uh, the actual members of the parade. So I, I, I had the honor of going to the chief's parade uh, when they won the Super Bowl, praise God, praise God. We all know that the Chiefs, the Chiefs needed, needed to win the Super Bowl before the world ended, right? Um, excuse me, i got a runny nose this morning. Um, it's, not, it's not the Rona, I promise. Um, John the Baptist was like those lame cars that drove in the beginning before all the players got there. I'm just, John, I'm just kidding. John the Baptist is not lame. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest preacher who ever lived, so that, that counts for something, Right? John, I'm getting off track here, I want to say this, is that John the Baptist's role was to point to the coming king. He says this, he says, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. John the Baptist's role in relation to Jesus is what the Bible's role is in relation to Jesus. The Bible says, here is the coming Messiah. The Bible says, here is the one that the prophets have foretold about. And so we read the Bible, and the Bible says, Jesus is coming. We read the Bible, and the the Bible points us to the risen Christ. And so we find Jesus in the Scriptures. We find Jesus in the Scriptures. That's what he tells these disciples on the road to Emmaus. So they're walking along. Jesus has already uh, spoken to them, and he's spoken to their pain. They're being healed on the inside. Jesus gives them a little Bible study lesson. This is how the Old Testament scriptures speak of me. And then lastly, they go home. And Jesus acts as if he's going to go on his way. And he decides, actually, I'll stay with these guys. I don't know if he ever actually intended to leave. Maybe he intended to, uh, to just make them ask for him to come into his house. Into their house, sorry. Well, Jesus goes in, and they begin to have a meal. They begin to go uh, together together into this time of eating and it says this as they sat down to eat verse 30 as they sat down to eat he took the bread and blessed it then he broke it and he gave it to them suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him and at that moment he disappeared The third place I want to talk about this morning, that you will always find Christ, the third place where Jesus will always meet you, is at the Lord's table. Is in the breaking of the bread and the blessing of the cup. We do weekly communion here at the River Church. Well, we did anyways whenever we were together. It just doesn't feel right to do it digitally, although we are going to do that today. So I guess if you're not prepared, we put a little thing out on Facebook, but if you're not prepared, you can get up now and go find some Coke and Doritos or something like that, and maybe, maybe, that, can, maybe that can fill the spot or whatever. Uh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But we do weekly communion here at the River Church, and we don't do weekly communion because we're a bunch of Catholic wannabes. <laughs> we don't do weekly communion because we're just so religious and uptight. We do weekly communion because it is Pastor Bradley and I's conviction that every single meet every single week. Sorry, when we go to the table, when we go to the Lord's table, and we receive the broken bread and we receive of the cup, we're not just receiving of 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 some carbohydrates. We're not just receiving of some gluten, but Christ is present. In this time, Christ is present in the breaking of the bread. Listen what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 16. He's going on this this little tangent about idols and whatnot, but in the very middle of it, he says this very interesting phrase. He says this Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread we seek or the bread we break a participation in the blood of Christ? Of or the body of Christ. Excuse me. I, I, words are hard. You know, you think after doing this for a long time I, I get my words right. I can't. The cup we drink is a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is a participation in the body of Christ. And so, in very, in very, uh, Plain English words, when we partake of the Lord's table together, Jesus is not far off, Jesus is not still dead, but he is still very much alive and he is in the sacrament of communion. When we partake of that, his presence is there among us. And you might say, well, I'm a Pentecostal. I I, I like to get a little crazy in church. All that religious stuff, that isn't really... Doesn't really. I don't like that. A lot. I like to be. I like to be all free and jump around and stuff like that. That religious stuff. That's that's just not for me. Well, you're betraying your history because the earliest Pentecostals took communion weekly. And actually, a great early Pentecostal father D.W. Kerr he says this about the Lord's table. There is nothing old or stale about this memorial feast. The fruit of the vine is not old. The shed blood is not aged. The bread is not stale. The Lord's body is not a mere thing of the past. The way is new in living. The thing, is, the thing most striking about the character of the feast is its presentness, not its pastness or its futureness. It is a present aspect. There is a sign of warmth. The blood is not cold and coagulated, but flowing fresh from the wounded side of Christ, recently killed, yet living. I'll read that part in the middle again. The thing most striking about the character of the feast is its presentness, not its pastness or its futureness. It has a present aspect. So, so in other words, when we partake of the Lord's table, we're not remembering someone who was here a long time ago and he did cool things, and we're not remembering or we're not honoring one who is coming in the future but we are joining into the body and the blood of one who is here now of one that is alive now one that who is alive forevermore when we partake of the Lord's table, it is not dead religion, but it is alive Christ. Come on, somebody. I, I mean, I, gotta, I wish this building was full. Because, and it's not just my preaching. Listen, this is the truth of the resurrection, that Christ is alive forevermore. And his livelihood envelops. It envelops our time together. It envelops the Lord's table. So where can we find Christ? We can always find him at his table. Jesus says very, very clearly in John chapter 6. And and I, I, I I want to tell you this. It's a hard teaching. In the Bible it says that 70 of his disciples walked away after he said what I'm about to tell you. So if it's hard for you to hear, it was hard for them to hear. Jesus said, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are not worthy of mine. You will not inherit eternal life. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said that. So what does he mean? Obviously, Christ is not calling us to be cannibals, although that's how people in that day took it. I believe what Christ is calling us to is this, is that every time that we partake of the Lord's table together, every time that we partake of the communion together, and believe me, one day we will get back together, and we will, and that will be a glorious day. When we partake of that, What we are doing is is, is we are uniting ourselves. I love the the language of, of 1 Corinthians 10, participation. We are participating in the life of Christ, the one who died but is now alive. You could say it like this. In Christ, because he was the son of Mary, has inherited the one human nature we all share, and that's the nature of death. We all will die we all will face the grave. That's what Hebrews tells us. Christ takes that nature and in the grave he destroys it and it's resurrected on the third day. And so when we partake of communion, once again, we are not celebrating one who was dead but we're celebrating one who is alive. And whenever we partake of his body and his blood, we are sharing in his liveliness. We are sharing in his resurrection power. We are sharing in his resurrection life, in his eternal life. So when we break the cup, or break, break the cup, break the bread, and we bless the cup, we just we break the cup, right? They're on the ground right now. We break the bread and we bless the cup. The living Christ is present with us. And his life is conjoined to ours. I love what it says there in the scripture about uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He took the bread and blessed it, then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open. There's something that happens to us, folks, when we see the broken bread. Because remember, at the Last Supper, Jesus said, This is my body. Which is broken for you Surely they didn't have much idea at the time. They seemed pretty oblivious to most things Jesus said, okay? They didn't understand. But in this moment, they understood. And when you come to understand what Christ has done for you, surely, your hearts will burn. Our hearts will burn when we realize what Christ has done for us, and it's in the breaking of the bread. We realize that Christ has died for us, but now He has risen for us indeed, and we share in his livelihood amen so we put our little thing on facebook i hope that you're prepared and we're going to partake in a time of communion together so if you're at home you can go ahead and get get your things ready now i'm going to ask if the band will come up and and get in their places we're going to sing a a song um, after we partake of the communion together, just like we would do at a normal church service But if you have your stuff uh, with you, I'm going to go ahead and ask that you would get it ready to go. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Right after I get my uh, bread and cup. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I pass on you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again. So wherever you are at home or on your couch or in your kitchen or wherever you have your elements, would you please just lift them up to heaven? We're going to pray over these together. Father, I thank You. I thank You that this time of communion is remembering not one who is, a de- who is dead, but one who is alive. Alive forevermore. God, that Your livelihood God, that your eternal life, your resurrection power is available to us as we participate, as we can join ourselves into your life through this sacrament. Lord, I pray that you would bless the bread, God, which represents your body that was broken for us. And our bodies made whole through your resurrection power. God, I thank you, and I lift up the cup of your blood that was shed out For the forgiveness of sins, Lord, your blood was shed for us, poured out for us. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, draw us ever closer to you today, I pray. Lord, lead us and guide us into your resurrection power, your resurrection life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. We may partake together now at the Lord's table.
0: Take the
2: breath